Hey friends, welcome back to the pod. This is a unique kind of show, a different kind of show. It's one of those shows where we find that we are in the midst of a conversation with an old friend and we're hanging out in the lounge and we realize this is interesting enough. We definitely want to capture this and push record. So what you're going to hear is a conversation that Stacy and I had with our old friend John David Johnson, a real cool guy that lived up up the road from my uh, my my buddy in high school, Chris Frohart, and we were playing music, Chris and I in our band. But then up the road, there was this really cool guy, John David, who had tattoos and he played with real instruments. Um, I would say probably more uh, you know professional type instruments with other really great musicians, and so. Uh, we were really excited, Chris and I, eventually with with Scott Copeland for a little bit there, to to put together uh, some music. And so uh, you'll be able to hear a little bit of the the music of John David, um, and I'm doing just a little bit of percussion on that. So if you make it to the end, you can hear a little bit of the sort of sounds that you would hear, uh, not only back in the day when we were playing as the Bloodhound Shuffle, but then uh, now the sorts of sounds that we've got going on in the lounge here in Portland. And we're, we're really happy to be able to have had this conversation, although it does touch on some, some difficult material and sometimes material that you might uh, find uh, to be puzzling, uh, or at least at first. Uh, it, it could at first seem like a sovereign citizen movement conversation, if you know what that is, but, but it's not that. It might sound like a conspiracy theory conversation. It's not really that. And uh, since we discuss... Uh, ideas related to the origin of human beings and when life begins. Uh, John David's going to talk about why he thinks it's important to think about the beginning of life at fertilization rather than conception. You might think we're talking ultimately about Roe v. Wade and and that sort of thing. We're not. Um, The key is that we found out recently, because John David got to listen to some of our podcasts, that we do share an interest in a sort of uh, emancipation and that uh, John David's come to understand this in a unique way, a way that we hadn't heard about before, and so this is all really new to us. And we're not really interested in, um, in kind of promoting any specific interpretation or the ideas that he has, but we just want him to be able to kind of share with us where he's coming from and how it helps him to make sense of freedom, emancipation, and, and, and the relationship between the individual and the state and the individual and the church. I really appreciated, I think, our conversation as a sort of thought experiment, uh, a way of reframing the way we narrate our, our biological origins and then the relationship between our understanding of that question and the, the bigger questions uh, related to who owns us. Does the church own us? Does the pope own us? Does the government own us? In what way can we be free? And what do we owe them? So in any case, it was important, I think, for us to reconnect and to, to talk through some of the poignant traumas, including police violence and racism, that John David experienced, unfortunately. Keep in mind, we are offering no professional advice about medical procedures that you should or shouldn't do, um, but you certainly can look up the topic of delayed cord clamping online or talk with your physician. That is something that is more recently of interest to folks involved in, in the birthing process. But we're not really giving any advice on that at all. We're not offering legal advice. In fact, as you'll see, the way in which John David approached the question of his origins and uh, this question of who owns uh, the biological entity that we call ourselves, uh, it's all very interesting, but it also 
got him into some trouble with the police and it, it was unpleasant. So we're not offering legal advice or practical advice in that regard. And uh, again, we've only reconnected so we can't vouch for John David's legal interpretations um, and, and that sort of thing. But I think to be able to talk through all of our struggles to understand who we are, what it means to be spiritual, and how we might imagine being free, because that's all part of this, I think this fits in very nicely with this season's theme of full-spectrum emancipation. We're glad you're along for the ride. Also, as we have been more frequently doing, I want to let you know that there is explicit language on this particular episode. Again, with respect to content warnings, we're going to talk about police violence, a little bit about racism, but hopefully you'll have some fun with us and uh, stay tuned at the end for that song, as I mentioned. So glad you're with us, friends. Let's go. So how you doing, John David? I'm doing great, brother. We haven't seen each other in a couple decades, and so it's been great to catch up, and we have gone in different directions. Of course, on the show, last time we were talking about anarchism in the Bible, but we're going to look at some of the ways in which uh, you think that the, the modern states, the, we're going to talk about the Catholic Church, we're going to get into all this, uh, but also the way the Bible's been used as kind of foundational for government uh, in the United States, for instance, get into all this. But let's go back to kind of the context in which we, we knew each other. We met, um, played a little music together with your uh, fantastic songwriting in the Bloodhound Shuffle. That was a lot of fun. Um, but ultimately, we both kind of grew up in Orange County with um, evangelicalism. It was a big part of it. And I would say my parents were not really into it, but your folks were. Absolutely. That's kind of, that's kind of where we, we you know, got to know each other within that context and, and playing music. But um, you were adopted. Yes. And so growing up in Orange County, maybe just kind of share a little bit about what, what that was like. Absolutely. I'd, yeah. I'd love to uh, share that with you. Now, I was adopted at a very early age. I, I believe probably somewhere between six and eight weeks of, of age. Um, I, was always, I always knew I was adopted. Um, my parents were, you know, very honest and, and forthright about that, um, which there was no... Shame, right? In that, um, as I grew older, though, um, I realized that people tended to treat me a little bit differently, and I didn't really understand, you know, what it was. Um, now, going, you know, now in hindsight, um, you know, there was there was a lot of racism, and. Um, you know, now that I've met my biological father, who is uh, African-American, um, I haven't met my mother yet, mm. um, and she's white, so I, I kind of had to fit into this white Southern Orange County mentality, and for all intents and purposes, I grew up white. Right. <laughs> and it's funny because after meeting my biological father, I mean, he views me as, you know, 
being white. I, you know, mm. I, 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 I speak like them. Um, <laughs> he goes, you're, so it's, it, it's just kind of funny, but, uh, growing up in Orange County, I was always too black to be white and too white to be black. Right. So I just kind of, you know, molded my way in that. But, uh, fast forward, uh, to more recently, you, you find yourself in Chicago. Yeah. So, so, I was so let's get to the, you're in Chicago about, for a while. Yeah. I, I, um, I was married to, uh, Lacey at the time. Um, when we moved to Chicago and we bought a home in Chicago and I, I was there for, I believe a total of about 17 years. And, um, now one thing that had always perplexed me, I guess, was I knew something was wrong with the system and with all the church upbringing and things like that, it never really sat truthfully on my soul. There was no amount of Jesus that was going to fix what I was missing. Um, and I started to look into um, the birth certificate. Um, and what did that actually mean? And after a, um, a divorce and being involved in the court system, um, I uncovered some things that it was all by consent. Like, how could they dictate what I could do with my biological property? <laughs> you know, um, how could they dictate what I could take my son to see as far as, you know, um, movies are concerned? Just, you know, just going through all these different complications that arise when you enter a divorce into yeah. the system. Um, because before that, before that, you kind of feel like you're a, you're like the sovereign of your home. This is the kind of the American way. You're the king of your castle. <laughs> you get to decide these basic things. You know, these are not you're not putting the kids in danger. But now all of a sudden, you have the state making very powerful and and painful decisions in your life because they somehow seem to act as if they own you. Yeah, right, like they're in charge, right? So this is this is kind of where 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 this is going in your mind, and then in in the midst of that, right? So it's in the wake of this divorce that you had a, an unfortunate run in with the police. Yes. So tell us about that. Um, but now now mind you, this is going back uh, quite a few years after um, the divorce. By the time I finally had my run in, but I was a um, I was in the the process of emancipating myself from the system. Um. I had worked at several different bars. I was working under the table. I was, you know. You're trying um, to operate without acknowledging their ownership over you. Exactly. Um, I pay, you know, I, I, I didn't have a bank account. I was, you know, dealing all with cash. And, um, you know, I, I started doing uh, tattoos. Um, How long would just, you say you did that? Like, I mean, so trying to live, because that's one of the big things we always want to talk about on this show is, how how emancipated can you get? And then how how hard is it to to exist without the system kind of bringing you back in? Um, <laughs> you know that's really interesting. Um, surprisingly, um, there's a lot you can you can do to emancipate yourself from a system, but it also takes um, work and a good support system. You know, um, of working together. You know, but. Um, Getting back to um, your question about a run-in with the police. So 
years have gone by and, and I'm recognizing this problem with the system and, and, uh, my birth certificate and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is really all contractual, mm-hmm. you know, it really doesn't have anything to do with me, so to speak. Um, because there's, it would bring in a lot of different, um, human trafficking, contracting with a minor. Um, just a lot of things went through my head, you know, there's this document that says who you are and and who owns you. (laughs) Right. And you haven't, you don't sign this. Yeah. There can't be any paper on me. You know, I, I, I'm a living, breathing, spiritual man. Um, so I, I thought that was wrong, you know? And then, (laughs) so, so, uh, at this time in my life, I was, I, I was having uh, mental health issues, um, you know, problems with addiction, uh, antidepressants, you know, being prescribed. And uh, it was just, it, it was a turning point in my life. And I was looking at getting away from Illinois. Uh, I was looking at, um, you know, where I wanted to move, but I, I definitely <laughs> wanted to get out of Illinois. Um, February of 2016, um, I was approached by a police officer. I was walking down the street, and I knew something was wrong. I, 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 was, I just wanted to get home. I, I was a few blocks from home. Um, I was not feeling well. I, 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 you know, I was dizzy. Um, and I was approached by a police officer, um, of course, asking me for my credentials. <laughs> And, uh, I simply stated, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, do that. Um, they're questioning me. Um, this time there's another police officer that pulls up and before I know it, I'm thrown up against the squad car. Um, they're rifling through my wallet, but at this time I wasn't carrying any identification on me. I on purpose. Com- on purpose. Yeah. I'm completely, and they're trying to find out, you know, who I am. I'm just like, you know, what's going on? Um, they asked me to get into the back of the car, at which point I resisted and I was thrown to the ground, beaten and tased. Um, and this is in your living in, in Chicago at the time? Yeah, I'm living in a, in a little small town, Fox River Grove, where I had lived for about 11 years. Okay. Um, and I wake up to um, being paddled, you know, um, with, uh, you know, life-saving devices. I, in, in the meantime, I'm, I'm having this near-death experience, and I wake up quite a few times. Um, and the final time that I'm revived, I'm in the, <laughs> the back of the ambulance, and I remember telling the guy that's on top of me with the paddles, leave me the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, let me go. Um, I spend the next five days in the hospital. Uh, I suffered a heart attack um, at the scene. And um, Was there ever, like, a, a, a camera? Did the cops have to wear cameras at this time? Um, there was a dash cam, and uh, this was all caught on video. And did you um, see it? I did. I saw wow. it years later. Wow. Um, and still, I mean, it, it's still a very traumatic experience. Um, I do suffer from PTSD yeah. um, from it. And I, I deal with it, you know, however I can. Um, I now carry nitroglycerin pills, <laughs> you know, um, with me. Um, but but now from, from the video, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, what, like, what was going on? I mean, like, how, how, I mean, was it just the tasing, do you think, that, that affected your heart? I mean, what? I, I believe so. Yeah. Um, I was tased in the back, and, and uh, my attorney at the time couldn't believe that they had tased me. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, but kind of going back to while I'm in the hospital, um, I'm dating a gal at the time and she finds out, you know, what's going on and she wants to know, you know, what the hell's going on. And there's a police officer that's standing guard at my emergency room. Um, come to find out, I, you know, they tell me I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I say what? Uh, yeah, I, I, I facing four felony counts of aggravated battery to a police officer. And I'm reading these reports, you know, these tickets. And come to find out, if I get my blood on them, that's aggravated battery. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of at this point where I'm not upset, but now I really want to know um, how they're able to trespass against my biological property and not be charged with attempted murder, yet I can be charged with aggravated battery for not doing anything mm. but getting my blood on them. Uh. <laughs> where, where did the blood come from? Oh, from me. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, like, what obviously. Is, were they... Were they like? Did they beat you or like what? Oh yeah, yeah. I was beaten. I you know. I mean, there were it, there was four police officers on top of me trying to subdue me, trying to hijack my body. Right. Um, from, from the video, did you? I mean, were you punching them? No, no, <laughs> not at all. You just weren't. I complying. was simply yeah. not complying with Getting their orders, right? Because they think that because you know these thugs with a badge and a gun think you know you're to obey them, mm-hmm. and if you disobey, there's going to be hell to pay, right? <laughs> right? Gotcha. right. That's the big thing, yeah. So, um, that started me on my journey. Um, rather than get angry and upset, I wanted to know what gave them the authority to do that and how I was put in the position that, you know, I was. And, uh, I found out (laughs) it's all through consent and it's all through, um, the birth certificated fiction, um, that we've all come to know, you know, as our you know, for me, it's John David Johnson, born at a certain time and space. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I, I, I now proceed to go to my, you know, court hearings. And the first time I kind of know I'm on this, you know, path is, you know, the judge asks me. I remember the first question I go into the courtroom and the judge says, you know, are you John David Johnson? And I say, no. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with me. It's a contract between my mom, dad, and the state. And <laughs> his eyes get so big and he realizes that I'm telling the truth. And he gets in to say, you know, well, he wants me to admit to being this character. And I'm like, look, you know, 
an adoption is a legal fiction for all intents and purposes. You know, it's a false statement. So in a maximum of law, we have fictio sedit veritati, which means fiction yields to truth. So as long as I'm speaking truth, he really doesn't have jurisdiction. But at some point, four months down the road, we keep going around and he's, and, and I, I don't understand. Hey, I'm asking of my public defender because I can't afford an attorney. And, a, you know, where's my right to a speedy trial? But he keeps going around and around trying to get jurisdiction. And finally, he says to me, when's your birthday? And I rattle it off like the snap of a finger. November 21st, 1969. Boom. How do you plead, Mr. Johnson? I went, holy shit. I go, what is this? <laughs> what yeah. is this? What happened? Yeah. Um, now, I came up through, you know, the ranks of the sovereign citizen, which is an oxymoron, the legal name bullshit, all this stuff, you know. Um, and I'm now facing four counts of aggravated battery to a police officer. And so your birth date is you then consenting to... This identity. This identity. This, this identity. As far as the judge right. is concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. As, as far as the judge is concerned. I just want to clarify. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's great. Um, so... You have all of these charges against you now. Yeah, and so which carries, I mean, uh, you know, a maximum of seven to eight years, I think. Um, in prison in the, in the state of Illinois. But uh, I, 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 I posed the question to my public defender, who's insane? You know, um, me, this guy that's walking down the street, minding my own business, or these four police officers that, you know, beat the shit out of me and uh, charge me with crimes. Um, so I plead insanity. I say I'm not guilty by the reason of being mentally incompetent, mentally insane. And uh, that's the only way I know how to, how to fight this because, you know, it's, it's, you know, their word against their mine or, you know, going in, but they're always going to protect their policy officers. The right? system always, yeah. yeah is <laughs> they're going to protect their policy it, officers yeah. because it's all about policy and it's all about insurance. So, um, Needless to say, I, uh, <laughs> the judge at the end of my trial says, okay, not guilty by reason of insanity. So I'm like, that's great. I'm thinking I'm walking out the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's what happens in the movies, right? <laughs> if you're insane, you get to walk out the door. He says, bailiff, he says, lock this man up. We're taking him to Elgin. I go to a medium security mental health facility with, you know, um, people that have, you know, slit the throats of their daughters, have, um, you know, murdered their fathers. They're, they're criminally insane. Yeah. Literally. And, and dangerous. And yeah. dangerous. <laughs> Mentally ill and dangerous. Um, and part of it isn't like you're supposed to like for to be insane. You don't know the difference between right and wrong. Correct. Right. And so. Or they... a danger to yourself and danger to others. Gotcha. Right? Okay. So um, now in hindsight, knowing what I know about our legal system claiming a birth date is literally insanity, <laughs> <laughs> which I look back and laugh on. I judge at every right. Cause it's insane to claim a birth date. So 
but I spent 17 months in um, this mental health facility, which is another traumatizing, yeah. you yeah. know, um, thing to go through. But, um, you know, and I filed uh, several lawsuits, um, pro se, and filed a federal habeas that, hey, you know, the state's holding me without any documentation of being, you know, mentally ill. And my federal habeas, which was picked up by the same people that freed the people at Guantanamo, I was pretty honored. Um, my habeas petition made it, you know, the farthest the habeas petitions made it in, you know, three decades in that state. Mm. Um, and I was eventually released. So um, it was kind of an, you know, it, it, it's awesome, you know, at this point because it was really traumatizing. But to be held that long. And you would say that these, these uh, lawyers that were doing they were pro bono? Yeah. And they were successful? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they were successful. They basically forced the state to release me because the, uh, the Northern District of Illinois is just the, uh, the father of <laughs> the, the, the county court, right? Mm. So they're all in bed together. You know what I mean? So, hey, you guys have no proof, you know, and just might as well let them go. So, um and was it that timing, was it, did you mention that it was like coming like right be at the beginning of COVID? Uh, it was actually prior, I, I, I actually got released a week before the COVID shutdown. And I thought wow. it was really kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I, I get let out only for the whole country to be shut down. Yeah. <laughs> now you're under house arrest. Right? Yeah. Now everybody's the rest under. Of us. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of, I just kind of, I, I thought that was, you know, like the world cute. is insane. Yeah. At, least, at least the dude who, you know, killed somebody with a weed whacker wasn't sleeping in your uh, same room though. So you could get a little bit better. Uh, oh no, sleep. he was, I couldn't sleep. He, he <laughs> yeah. was in, he was in my well, same no, room. Yes. But not when you get home is what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, you're, right. you're still, uh, <laughs> still under house arrest, but at least that you, you lost that dude. Yeah, and I mean, you were saying that's the thing. I think that that also makes this all difficult. You're you're having a moment, and um, instead of having this thing de-escalated, I mean, this is one of the big problems. If you're if somebody's in a in a, a state where they're disoriented, having police come and and really be aggressive, it's, this is just kind of stirs it up. Escalates. Then you find yourself with people who've killed people. You can't sleep. So right. the, the sleeplessness, the anxiety of being in that spot does not, it doesn't make it easier, you know, yeah. to cope. Yeah. Uh, did they do anything at all to try to help you with your mental health, say? Uh, Absolutely not. Like These um, mental health facilities are prison extensions where they're making $1.2 million per head, you know, from the federal government. It's literally... Um, <laughs> it's it's a money making scheme, you know, through uh, IDHS, you know. That's crazy. So you're going through all this, and you're trying to figure out a way to kind of put together um, uh, like a narrative or a way a way of explaining to people why they don't have this jurisdiction over you, why they don't own you. You want to get fully emancipated from the whole damn thing. Okay? Absolutely. So. This is where it gets interesting, and people are going to have their heads spin a little bit, perhaps, but take us to 1302. 
So, okay. like, so you're doing your research, and all of a sudden, it's it's not something that happened in the late '70s in some Supreme Court case. No, you're going all the way back to 1302, and this is when it kind of clicks for you, right? Um, now, I want to I want to backtrack a little bit because um, before. Uh, 1302, this was Unum Sanctum, yeah. uh, Pope Boniface, but uh, I get in touch with um, a gentleman out of Rockford when I get out, um, who's in Rockford, Illinois, about you know, 35, 40 minutes from me, um, who we shared a similar experience of being beaten and tased, mm. and uh, Curtis Collenbach, and so he points me, you know, kind of in this direction that I'm going. So it, it's really just phenomenal how the creator is there to kind of shape you, you know, and put you into uh, a, 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 a light of walking in truth. Um, because that's always been important to me, uh, is, is, is to find truth. Because I believe that truth isn't subjective. Right. I, I believe there's only one side to truth. Right. So, I mean, that's what makes it truth, right? Right, right. So, um, you know, looking in uh, Unum Sanctum in uh, 1302, I thought um, what was really, really interesting is the Catholic Church making a declaration of the human creature, um, at the end of Unum Sanctum, it says, furthermore, we declare, we pro proclaim, we define that it is absolutely necessary for salvation that every human creature be subject to the Roman pontiff. Yeah, so he, he starts out in the bowl. He's saying, okay, and this is a really interesting piece of this particular papal bowl. He says, all right, if the secular powers, if the secular powers are to be judged, they're judged by the spiritual power. That's me. If there's a spiritual matter, the secular government does not judge us, we judge ourselves. And that becomes very problematic for all the sexual abuse cases where the church says, going all the way back to 1302, that they have jurisdiction over their own, in this case, you know, molestations or whatever. Right. Uh, and then they just make it go away. And they can make it go away because they've established it way back then with Europe all being Catholic, all being Western Catholic. And then they say, and if, if there's any disputes within the church, the Pope is at the top. So just to, just to say, for, for a podcast that's interested in kind of confronting this hierarchical way of thinking, this is the hierarchy. This is a very specific hierarchy. Papa's at the top. The church is at the, over everything. All right? right, right. So then this comes to the end. Yeah. And what's interesting is before is, you know, um, they quote Matthew sixteen nineteen, which is whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound also in heaven. Therefore, whoever resists this power thus ordained by God, resists the ordinance of God, unless he invent like Manichaeus two beginnings, which is false and judged by us heretical since according to the testimony of Moses. So two beginnings, I'm looking at that and looking at uh, the human creature and it's kind of interesting because what's a human creature? Mm. Um, you know, uh, the fetal maternal organ is property of the mother 
and property of the baby. And interestingly enough, it carries 46 chromosomes from the baby and 46 chromosomes from the mother, making it a total of 92. Sounds like a human creature to me. Sounds Mm -hmm. like a human monstrosity, actually. (laughs) It's never going to survive outside of the womb. So that gets me into the severing of the umbilical cord. And maybe the writers of the Declaration of Independence knew something (laughs) that we didn't. Because you get into the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, when in the course of human events, we find it necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands that have connected us with one another. Interestingly enough, in 1871, there's two particular things that happen that are of very importance. Um, The American Medical Association is formed and there's a landmark case, Haslam versus Lockwood, in 1871, where a guy who picks up abandoned horse manure converts it into fertilizer. And the court rules in favor of the person who collected the abandoned property even though the guy's horse said, hey, once he realized that the guy could conversion, my horse dropped that property, you know? And on a side note, we had our own sort of like experience with abandoned, you know, property per se when with our truck camper and once it was stolen, we recovered it for a few moments Um, and the cops were able, they were able to get somebody that was sleeping in it out. And basically what the cops were saying though is, you know, the guy is just, he's saying that he's occupying abandoned property. He wasn't necessarily the person. It's an interesting principle of law, right? Yeah, so, that he wasn't yeah. necessarily the one that stole it. So he wouldn't get, you know, the felony for the auto theft, but instead he, he could be slapped with maybe a, a small fine for occupying abandoned property. It is an interesting aspect of common law, too, like where you've got this. I mean, even when we go back to the, the Dowser for Ranch um, down in San Diego, uh, we put just some wood on the neighbor's lot and they were very quick to get it removed because they realized if we built a structure there and they didn't protest it, then all of a sudden now this eventually will, will become my land because of the use, right? So it's very interesting. <clears throat> Somebody picks up, the, all right, so back to the poop. The yeah. idea the dude, the abandoned yeah. property, apparently. Correct. Yeah, like it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a way to kind of get out of a whole lot of <laughs> other, right. or other to get into some stuff, into, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. And I kind—I mean, I kind of jumped ahead of myself, yeah. you know. There, so um, I'd like to just look up the uh, medical definition of delivery in Merriam-Webster: the act of giving birth, the expulsion or extraction of a fetus and its membranes. So, the fetus. And its membranes needs to be delivered together wholly. Otherwise, it's it's considered a partial delivery, which in fact is an abortion. Um, A full delivery hasn't taken place. Um, I know when my daughter was born, they handed me the scissors and said, hey, cut the cord. And 
Now, hindsight, I'm like, you know, I, I'm thinking, what the hell did this guy just make me do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I have to look at um, also the term uh, born alive. Uh, born alive in, in Black's Law. Being the product of conception after complete expulsion or extraction from the mother. Now, I'm going to stop right there because being the product of conception. The term born alive is referring to the product of conception, which every scientist will agree with me that conception happens 5 to 14 days after fertilization, which is an act of God. So there's something about implantation into the wall of the of, of the mother of the uterine which is important as far as legal standing and that's been since roe v wade in 1973 which is interesting what's going on today with roe v wade because it's really um they're fighting over conception versus fertilization mm. so um to finish the the, the term born alive um, being the product of conception after complete expulsion or extraction from mother, irrespective of the duration of pregnancy, which breathes or shows any other evidence of life, such as beating of the heart, pulsation of the umbilical cord, or definite movement of voluntary muscles, whether or not the umbilical cord has been cut or the placenta is attached. And this is where it, it gets freaky. Each product of such birth is considered live born and fully recognized as a human person. That means according to Black's Law Dictionary and the legal system that we've come to know, the baby and the fetal maternal organ are fully recognized as a human person. Each product is considered live born. I, it blew me away. What is that? So just maybe the arresting of forward progress through the cut, maybe John David Johnson doesn't get the title of the living baby, but the title goes to the fetal maternal organ. The placenta. The placenta, which is in essence, the church may call the Madonna and child the immaculate conception, the perfect idea, <laughs> you know? And through that cut, what happens is you have the Americas. You have North America, Central America, and South America, which is claimed by Rome. In 1494, there's this really important treaty. It's called the Treaty of Tordesillas. And the Treaty of Tordesillas divides the Western Hemisphere, all of the non-European lands, into owner, ownership, yes, the church owns it, but then the church gives it under, by the way, the most, one of the most disgusting popes, Alexander VI, uh, who was a Borgia. He had probably committed incest. He had several uh, concubines and a wife and had people murdered. I mean, he was, he was gangster pope. And he probably bought his way into being the pope. Then now he sees himself as the person, going back to 1302, that is the supreme head of all of Europe. Right. Now you've got these savages out in uh, the Americas and he also owns 
the title of that too. I mean, this is the whole world, right? The church owns the whole world, it thinks, right? And in, in, uh, in this treaty, the Treaty of Tordesillas, it divides the whole uh, new world between the Portuguese empire and the Spanish empire. Because they were, you know, saying who, who's going to get what. And this is why, of course, uh, you know, Brazil speaks Portuguese and everybody else speaks Spanish. It's because they didn't realize when they were dividing it up um, how much more land there was as you would keep traveling out. So Portugal doesn't really get, get the, the best part of the deal. <laughs> but, but what's interesting about this then is when now as, as we're talking about this in politics and American law, this is also behind it. Right, so 1302, the Pope is is established as supreme over everything. 1494, he divides it into these these two Catholic countries. So just going to this severing, right? There is this element of asking who owns the people there, who owns the land. Anyway, right. So what I know now is what happens through the cut is because of the Americas, which is the land mass. Okay, we all know that the United States is a corporation that overlays that lower 48, okay? So, interestingly enough, through the cut and by arresting the forward progress, the baby, the live-born baby, uh, becomes an indigenous heathen upon the land, just so Lee, okay, which means of the soil. The cut and the fetal maternal organ that is still inside mother becomes subject to admiralty law. And interestingly enough, they weigh the baby in pounds and ounces and the fetal maternal organ is weighed metrically. And that goes back to the metric act of 1966. So why do they measure that metrically? Well, they've created a conversion because it's abandoned property, which is claimed by the state. And that becomes the, the res of the in God we trust of the one nation under God, the fiat currency. Um, and this, you know, goes back to 1933 through FDR. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1933 when they took us off the gold standard and his opening line is, today is a day of national consecration. He declares this holy land where he pledges the blood, sweat, and tears of the American people for this in God we trust fiat currency. So how does this, understanding this, mm -hmm. how does this work towards maybe a way for you, for the listeners to think about f freedom and freedom from the same kind of system that thinks that they have ownership over you and they can tase you and they can, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. I, I, I think it's a key to knowing our godly origin. And what I mean by that is uh, fertilization is my origin. It's a 46 chromosome singular zygotic package. Um, and what's interesting is... It's a eukaryotic cell. In Luke 5.31, you know, when I think the Pharisees are asking Jesus, you know, hey, why do you hang out with publicans, you know, sinners and tax collectors? And Jesus says, they that are whole need not a physician. And I thought, uh, that's brilliant, you know? So then when you're, when you're looking at this in, in the Bible, saying like in the New Testament, 
where do you where do you go with this? Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Everybody's concerned with freedom, and uh, as I look at John eight thirty two, um, it says, "And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." So, should we be pursuing truth or freedom? <laughs> well, are you saying you pursue the truth to get to the freedom? Absolutely. Yeah. The the truth will make you free, and the knowing your godly origin as fertilization. Um, the starting point of creation is pure biological truth. And, um, we've, we talked earlier about, uh, spiritual and what it means to be spiritual and, you know, just taking a breath, having the breath of creation, you know, mm -hmm. um, I hear so many people talking about, uh, I haven't had a spiritual experience, you know, mm -hmm. well, just take a breath, you know? And then I, I also look to uh first Corinthians two fifteen, Um, you know, what says, but he that is spiritual judges all things yet. He himself is judged of no man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> so from, from this vantage point where you have in a biological level, a symbolic level, a political level, you're finding yourself outside of that judgment because of your, of your origin. Absolutely. And so when you understand your origin, when you understand where you come from, uh, use the language you want, Yahweh, the Tao, you, the, the human being recognizing the true origin, uh, the true origin then becomes free because they're mentally free. I mean, and, and of course Jesus is free and then he gets, they kill him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it doesn't guarantee that you're free in that sense, but you are in your, in your own person, you understand this freedom and then you become at least mentally, psychologically, spiritually emancipated. Absolutely. And then the rest flows from that. Absolutely. So, okay. So the godly origin is fertilization and it be helpful to clarify what you're working with here. You're, you're, you're uh, pro-choice. Yep. So you're not like, so this is, this is not that conversation. This is a conversation about your empowerment, your identity, what does it mean for you that you have that kind of origin? Like what, what, what are the implications, the spiritual implications? It literally goes back to I and my father are one. I don't need a middleman. Mm -hmm. The 46 chromosome zygote is the father of the 46 chromosome embryo. Right. So it's interesting you say spiritual is to breathe. I mean, this is what the Zen masters always said. If you want enlightenment, just sit there and breathe and then you have enlightenment. You're yeah. there. You you're, want you're to have present, a spiritual right? experience, just take a breath. So there's this, <laughs> there's this eternal source from which you come. And by understanding this, by understanding that, that you are it. Yeah. The, the eternal source is outside of time and space once you know your godly origin, right? Because it's not subject to a Gregorian calendar fucking birth date. So, yeah. Realistically, yeah. because it's, it's literally outside of time and space. It's prehistoric. It's before the evolution of man. All of the evolution of man takes place within the womb. And we cut it off and we negate it. And not only when you do that, when you sever the umbilical cord, not only do you cut off evolution of man, but you also cut off your godly origin and you need a middleman to fix you. Hmm. Cause I'm like wrestling through this. I very much remember in my own 
birthing situations where, um, you know, the doctor asked Jeff about cutting the umbilical cord and he's like, no, you know, so <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> he didn't, you know, he's like, I squeamish. It's a, it, it's a ritual that the cult of the Jesuits do, you know what I mean? That it's just, it, they've done it. It's a sacrificial thing that they've been doing since the dawn of time. Okay. But, um, so potentially, the placenta provides a lot of nutrients, right? right? And, and so it could still continue to nourish the baby until exactly, the mother's milk comes in or whatever. Yeah. It would fall off naturally. And I think there's a story. I mean, I think I th- that's where the story of the evil twin comes in because I think in, you know, uh, in latter days when women would just give birth out in the fields, they didn't know what this entity was and they always buried it. Mm. Once it fell off, they thought, you know, the evil twin, it was just kind of this horrible monstrosity, Mm. you know what I mean, that they used to just bury Hmm. as an evil twin. But um, they figured out how to, you know, uh, claim it and uh, give it a title. But there can be no paper on the living, breathing, spiritual man. It's involuntary servitude. It's slavery. It's human trafficking. I mean, there's... I mean, hundreds of things. Your infinite self does not have a social security card. Right. It, that belongs to the Social Security Administration. <laughs> right. It says right on the back of the card. <laughs> <laughs> this is property I of, know, yeah. you yeah. know? So what I'm hearing from you is that uh, it's something that resonates with us. I mean, obviously, th- these are um, these are new ways of thinking about the text and, and the law, but there there is a thread here that's very interesting. Ultimately, what's... What's interesting is this idea that I think a lot of people can get behind even just right up front, which is this question of who owns you? Does God own you? Does the state own you? Does the Catholic Church own you? So what you're kind of on is a quest to to recognize your emancipation from the Pope, mm-hmm. from the state, from the police. My constitution is mind, body, and soul, you know? Your, your wholeness that comes from a natural... Um, and you would say somehow maybe divine reality. Absolutely. But one, one thing I want to make sure we, we cover, because we were talking about the spiritual side of things as being material. Um, talk to us about how you see God creation in the material world, right? Like, like, how, like how do you, because you, you, you're not going to church anymore. I don't step foot in there. No, but, but remember <laughs> we were talking about like the material world. Right. It, well, it's interesting when you say material world, because I think of matter, you know, and I think of where we get the term mother, you know, um, material matter, mother matrix. It all comes from the same source. Um, interestingly enough, I uh, have yet to meet, you know, my biological mother. Um, but knowing my godly origin as the zygote, I've removed that my biological property from hers, mm. <laughs> so to speak. Because it's, it, it, like I said, it's a fetal maternal organ. Well, it's half mine, Mm. right? So the church can claim that mother property all they want to, but it it has nothing to do with me. Mm. So 
because they've con- they, they've created a conversion out of that abandoned property, you know. And I, I <laughs> which we talked about that, um, you know, a couple nights ago. It's uh, if you have a Reese's peanut butter cup, and I own all the peanut butter, and I remove my peanut butter from it. Can you make a Reese's peanut butter cup? <laughs> Now it's just yeah. chocolate. Yeah. In, in law, it's it, it's it's known as a tertium quid, and uh, that's what they've done. Um, is they have figured out a way to convert our abandoned property into a third thing that they put a patent on, and that's how they've trapped <laughs> the mind of man. <laughs> so, so this is good. This is some good heavy stuff. Practically, how how do you envision now going forward? Because obviously, it wasn't it wasn't very easy to deal with the police when you didn't have ID. Right? right. Where's your papers? I mean, you know, this is this is something that certainly Christian anarchists have have dealt with since even the like the Radical Reformation to say mm-hmm. uh, there is a tradition within that that thread of saying uh, I refuse just like you did with the police, I refuse to swear an oath to the state, um, even in a law court. I refuse to get a lawyer because I don't, I don't acknowledge the jurisdiction of this court. I mean, there's, there's this long tradition, and it sometimes, you know, they got drowned. They got, you know, um, Oh, believe executed. me, there's, there's, people there's, don't like this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of pain yeah. um, to walk that road. I can't walk another road. I refuse to. Um, whatever they decide to do to me, it, it, you know, it's up to them. But I, I mean, I can't. I can't. I can't your go autonomy, backwards. Yeah, your, your your liberation is more important than even the comfort of being part of the system. Right. And do I? Um, do I carry ID? Do I carry a driver's license? Absolutely. Um, but it's. It's private property at this point now. I know where I stand. I know that um, I stand at fertilization of my origin, and it's it's game over. I can play their games all they want to, but it allows me to walk in and out of the matrix mm-hmm. as I choose. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes you just want to go and see a show with us. You got to yeah, you gotta whip out your my uh, body, card. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like when when my when my Biology tells me, you know, hey, you want to go have a beer? Well, I better provide, you know, ID because that system requires, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that uh, I, I got to furnish them with uh, an ID. All right. So then so then going forward, you're not saying, you know, have you had any run-ins with the police uh, since? I have. Um, and I decided. I say run-in. I don't know if that. You um, know. You know <laughs> Conversations. <laughs> when, I, when I moved uh, back to Sacramento, California, um, I didn't have plates on my car um and i just got tired of explaining you know to police officers all the time i said hey look and i i would tell the police officer the same thing hey look you know what in 2016 i got beaten tased i spent five days in the hospital you know i got beat up by you thugs and you know i i know the gig i know the game it's over you know what i mean and they would just go okay go ahead you know they Mm -hmm. it's like is it really worth you know i said i realize i'm I'm not going to give you anything that you're requesting so you know, what you do from this point is up to you because I know if I am ever brought to, you know, one of their fictitious ecclesiastical courtrooms, 
Um, my origin is fertilization. It's game over. Mm. <laughs> and so you, you know? just get okay. started over. All See right. you later. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, is is a is a thug with a badge and a gun really? You know, want to say, hey, I, I got to feed my family. Is he really want? Right. You know, but now because I got, I, I mean, I got pulled over so many times. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put the plates on the car. And, you know, now I haven't, I haven't been pulled over, haven't been harassed since, right. but you know right. what I mean? So I, 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 I choose probably not a good idea to draw attention to yourself, you know? Yes. So mm-hmm. I just kind of weave in and out of yeah. the matrix as yeah. I want to. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of why we talk about this <laughs> idea of being Dow surfers. Um, you cannot live in that eternal present here. Entirely. Like you can't entirely, like you cannot extract yourself entirely. Whenever somebody tries to do it, they lock them up. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, in the case, we, I love to talk about the case of a Japanese dude who was trying <laughs> to live uh, by himself on an island naked and be free of, of the system. And they, uh, they, they put him in a hospital because obviously that's crazy. Right. Right. He was very happy living on his little island, you know, and they just, they, they're not going to let you do it if they find you, you know, and that's, and that's kind of what we found, you know, traveling. But, what I like about where you're going, regardless, dear listener, of uh, kind of where you where you see the interpretation, what John David's talking about, uh, being literal or, uh, or or have some very uh, powerful possibility, the the key thing for all of us, I think, that is very helpful, is recognizing that, that we're not owned. People make make this claim over us. Our parents, the church, and the state make these these claims. But I think for me, one of the things that I like about the teachings of Jesus and, and also the, the Taoist and, you know, a little bit before that, um, is that, um, that even if it's only your awareness of it, it's helpful. It's Absolutely. helpful to know like who you really are yeah. and not, not what, what they're um, claiming to be able to establish as who you are. Yeah. So I thought that, I think that's a lot of fun. It saved me some money on some hospital bills too, I, I must say. Yeah, tell me about that real fast. <laughs> um, is an act of God insurable? So that's you. So if you're an act of God. If, if fertilization is an act of God, right? I mean, we, the, the mom and the dad only deposit the building materials. You know what I mean? It takes an act of God known as fertilization to create a new individual. So, uh, you know, going into a hospital... You know, uh, the, I don't give a birth date. I don't, you know, <laughs> give my name. It's, you know, I, I, do you have insurance? No, I can't have insurance. And they always look at me like, why can't you have insurance? Well, I'm an act of God. They, uh, an act of God is not insurable. And they say, okay. And they usually give me a John Doe bracelet and they give me a birth date. And I was like, and they go, does that work for you? And I go, well, does sure. it work for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's, oh, oh, so, so now this is interesting. John Doe. So you say sometimes you go by John D. I know, right? <laughs> is that on purpose? No, uh, no, no. But you might go. That was pretty good. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you, just, like, you just get that, get that, uh, that hospital bracelet next time, and just, just yeah. say, hey, hey, this is my ID. <laughs> yeah, and usually they give. Usually it's a January first birthday because I just tell them how many years old I am. You know what I mean? I'm 52 <laughs> years old, uh, but I don't give. And usually they try to get me to give a, a social security card, a mm. birthday. They try at least five times. They'll usually send somebody with a clipboard into the hospital room too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like. Are you afraid? I go, no, I'm perfectly. I'm not afraid at all. You know what I mean? I just want to get taken care of. You know, my ticker's been a little bit bad. You know, mm-hmm. today, so I need to get a little. You know, maybe a refill on some of my uh, nitroglycerin, glycerin, or whatever. But uh, it's kind of funny because at that 
moment in time, I think I also do open up the eyes of other people. So I'm kind of, I think of myself as, you know, kind of a witness to, uh, creation a different yeah a yeah. different way yeah because yeah, it usually baffles people you know yeah so and i hope that's what the dear listener uh, can can explore as well just kind of seeing the world in a different way and and kind of having that that light go on to say wow like where, where do we come up with these things that we think are just givens yeah you know like somebody somewhere down the line decides how we think about private property your own autonomy. And then since everybody is operating this way, we think it's the only way to go. We think it's, we think it's a given. Yeah. I'm even thinking of, uh, so a conversation I had with, um, a a woman one time, she, they lived in like a, a teepee, right. On their property, family's property and CPS, child protective services come to look into how they're raising their children who were, very happy and well taken care of. They just lived in a teepee. I would have loved know? to have grown up yeah. in this this little place. Yeah. Yeah, and you know they were able to sort of explore the magic of you know the the world and property around them in nature, and 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 even just something as sort of what structure or whatever you know that we choose to People live in. People have there's, lived in teepees a, for a long time. Acceptable versions and unacceptable yeah. versions. If you have no property, you have no rights. So that, and then and, and, and that's why it goes back to the abandoned fetal property. Mm. No property, there's no rights. Everybody wants to know, hey, how can they do this to us? It, you know, <laughs> you admit to be a decedent of the state, the state gets to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. You know, once you know your godly origin is fertilization, it's game over. It supersedes all their bullshit because their bullshit starts at a conception. Everything in, you know, law starts after conception. So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, it's funny to me because I just kind of see it everywhere now, you know, at this point. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody's, and I, you know, I see all these right wing type and I'm not, you know, trying to name call or anything like that. But, you know, all these people are like talking about COVID and talking about the um, vaccination and how it's the mark of the beast. And everybody's talking about the mark of the beast that they're going to get, you know, the choice to, you know, put on the back of their wrist or, you know, their forehead or anything like that. I think the birth date, a uh, 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 birth date 40 weeks after the act of creation is the true mark of the beast. And it's the biggest implant that is uh, in the history of all mankind is a starting point 40 weeks after creation. Well, thanks for yeah. being here, man. It's been good to, to catch up with you and visit and play a little music. And Oh, uh, man, I'm looking forward Portland. to a few more days. I'll be here till Sunday. Yeah. So, man, it, it's, it's so great to see both of you guys. I love you guys both so much. Yeah, it's great it's to awesome. see you, too. And, you know, thanks, for folks, for being with us here as we keep uh, on our journey of finding deep peace upon peace. Blowing, there's a chill.
Yeah. 